So are you enjoying this uh, Fred Durst movie? Oh, wait, no, you're not actually watching it. You're watching a review of it. I'm watching a review of it, and I don't think it looks that good, but I still kind of want to see it because it looks ridiculous. Like it's going to be an awesome bad movie type of thing. Okay, so it's it's not out yet. It's out. It's in theaters, Mm. but only in select theaters. Got it. And in the opening weekend, it made $3,000. That's uh, incredibly bad. Uh, well, let's see what the budget is first. And then we can say <laughs> if it's bad or not. Oh, yeah, fair. I mean, I guess if the budget was 1500 <laughs> Stand by. Stand by. <clears throat> the budget was, if it will tell me. Nope, it's not telling me. The budget was the cost of a craft services table? Probably. $350. See if Google will say. Oh, it has a lot of bad reviews. Mm. It says cheesy low budget, so that tells me less than $10 million. Well, that's good. If they only made three thousand in the opening weekend, it's good that it's less than ten million. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> Speaking of uh, reviews, I wanted your uh, your hot take on something. Okay. Uh, have you seen the new Dave Chappelle special? I have. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Uh, did you Did you enjoy previous specials? I have. Yeah, I've seen him in live too. Oh, did you? Yeah. I've I've never seen him live. I've I've wanted to though, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I remember I first uh, saw was it? It might have been either a Comedy Central special or I forget. Maybe it was HBO, although I kind of doubt it. Um, the first time I ever saw him was when I was still in Long Beach, and uh, uh, I remember that special being uh, so funny that I was like making weird seal noises at my desk because I was listening to it while working. You know, like the. <laughs> Like, like I couldn't stop laughing. Uh-huh. So, uh, and, and this one was, was very much the same. Like I, I really, really liked it, but, uh, and, and I didn't notice any of this, but, uh, Tori was kind of telling me about this and she was saying that, uh, evidently it was one of the most divisive, uh, things where the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes was like 20 or 30% or something really shitty. Uh-huh. And the audience score was 99%. Oh. So it's like, I didn't realize that there was, I in general thought there was kind of an alignment between, uh, and, and I don't, to be honest, I don't really know who critics are anyways. Like I'm kind of more tuned into uh, uh, YouTube video essayists or, uh, or uh, what am I trying to say? Or like movie review, like, sites like that you know so i don't i don't really know to which critics this refers to but um but i thought that was really strange like i don't know if i've seen something that's that divisive where critics say it's dog shit and the audience loves it you know what i mean like i don't know if i've seen something like that i'm not surprised by that because if you think about critics like who who is who are all the critics mostly i don't know they're all just a bunch of uh, cranky white dudes Mm. that couldn't you know, make it pass. They got through film school, but they couldn't make it as a filmmaker. So do they use the same general audience? And I guess this is, uh, I don't know if this is the, the right question to ask, but do they use the same general audience? Uh, uh, do they use the same general audience, like critics that for, for every movie, like does Rotten Tomatoes not like, for instance, this was a comedy special, not exactly a film. Right, you know what I mean. But are they the same critics that they use? I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you know, they're releasing less and less movies every year. Fewer movies every year. Might as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I was your age, there used to be like three movies coming out in a weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like when I was nine or six, something like that. But in one weekend, you can go see Batman Returns and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And some other crazy blockbuster movie. <laughs> they were all in the theater at the same time, and they were just competing with each other. Yeah. But that's how it was back in the day. Now it's Hobbs and Shaw one weekend, and then a crappy movie, and then Angel Has Fallen the following weekend. Oh, 
Those all look so bad. They're pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. They're pretty sure. great. They're pretty great. But I think the, the point I'm trying to make is that a majority of critics are of uh, a male gender, and they're white. Mm-hmm. And that special is mostly <laughs> offensive to people. That of are, that, yeah. Because I feel like they are the most defensive and sensitive. Simultaneously. Simultaneously, because they feel like they're losing everything. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's uh, it's like um, I I forget where I was uh reading this, but it's like everyone else is supposed to uh relax about you know language like specific language use and all that kind of stuff because like these same people are like uh saying oh uh these people need their safe spaces and their, you know, whatever. But at the same time, they get so offended when you say something, uh, critical of, you know, society and culture. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's, it's kind of a backwards sort of notion. Uh, and everyone's, I feel like too many groups of people these days are just trying to get their peace now. Like they're, this was how I was infringed upon. And so now we're going to ride that out and we have to like deal with that for an eternity basically. Yeah, I don't think that's it. I think what's happening right now is that we we are over the hump of shock comedy and shock culture. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Farley Brothers and you know like <laughs> those like movies where you know the Cameron Diaz has jizz in her hair. Yeah, it's just like you know, <laughs> it's not uh, it's it's lowbrow. It's not you know smart comedy. It's not funny. And so when yeah. you uh, when society starts growing into this place where now everyone is a star basically mm-hmm. because we all have phones, we all have computers and we can have our own YouTube channel and we all can put ourselves on these pedestals mm-hmm. and we think we can do the same thing as let's say an established comedian where everyone knows that this person makes jokes for a living. Right. And then you can come out and just say something ridiculous and think, Hey, why aren't you laughing? I was joking. Yeah. Yeah. This was my, but nobody knows my, who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and also, there's probably not nearly as much attention to like the craft and the discipline. Uh, if if you feel like you can, if you're one of those people that feels like you can just like pump out a quick 20 minute YouTube video and it should be like received the same way as somebody's Netflix comedy special. I mean, it's like oh, exactly. I I bet you Dave Chappelle spent years working on that special. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I bet those wow. jokes were told over years and years across different crowds. And, mm-hmm. And I know he built those jokes up and they were smart and they were delivered well and they were not delivered in a way to get anybody. Yeah. They were just uh, presented in a way that, to make you think. Yeah. Which I think no, is no, no, brilliant. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, uh, that's a, that's a good take on it. Um, I think, uh, I think there's, yeah, I, th- I think you're right about us being over the hump and that sort of thing. Um, do you happen to know who Hannah Gatsby is? That sounds familiar. She did uh, like a comedy special. Well, okay. Was it, so was it that, that Greta one? Was it like that? Is she the British or the Australian or from Tasmania? Tasmania? She's something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought, uh, she, yeah, I thought she was British. But she has the short hair and wears the blue suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw it. It's like Greta or something was the name of her special. Now, I thought it was called. I, I think I know what you're talking about. She yeah, has glasses. Uh, yeah, she's uh, not Greta. It's called uh, Nanette or uh, Nanette. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So here's kind of my thing with that. Uh, because then. That kind of cre- that there's sort of this divisive line. You see what I mean? That people are saying like, "Oh, comedy shouldn't be offensive and it shouldn't be this." Like they're they're, or at least maybe the critics are raging against uh, Dave Chappelle. But then at the same time, this Hannah Gatsby thing gets pushed through. And here's my thing with it: I think it was really good, but it was ultimately a one-woman show or a uh, or like a a, a piece a dramatic reading or something if you will right it was not a comedy special and i kind of so now the problem is is that too many 
places, too many things are specifically looking. Like it was a it was a storytelling thing. Which if you take it like that, it's like yeah, that's great. But the problem is, is now uh, the every comic or, or every everyone's su- like supposed to have a a message or like a socially conscious message or everyone's supposed to be like kind of touting something and if you're not then it's not really like received well and i think that that's kind of a problem because for a long time uh comedians have kind of been satirists or have kind of been uh but they've always been able to have this sort of freedom of speech and able to say whatever and not kind of fear this um reprimand but if we're like there was this, uh, the reason why I bring this up is because I just read this article about it where it's just like, oh, is is uh, you know is is this the next future of comedy? Like, are are is everything kind of turning into this like socially conscious uh, sort of free form speech? And I don't know. I I don't necessarily I, I see value in both, or rather, I see everyone being able to. Uh, create something that's ultimately theirs and and however you want to produce it and make it that's great but i don't like the idea of basically like the whole i was reading articles about dave Chappelle's uh special being received really poorly and saying that it's really offensive and you know they might not re-sign on netflix and yada 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 and so that's kind of my problem with it is that if we kind of take this really safe socially conscious approach on everything then we're going to end up missing out on a lot of good stuff Right, right. I um. Well, if what do I want to say? Well, if you look at uh, how I guess kids have grown up these days, like (laughs) a lot of a lot of kids, uh, at least maybe my age, maybe my age would be better. We our our news source was basically the Daily Show. It was the Colbert Report. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it was all these satire-based comedy shows. That yeah. took a serious look at politics, and that's where a lot of people got their viewpoints and their opinions on a government, local government. And so I think the fact that now comedy specials are kind of leaning more towards that just speaks to the trend in our society right now, our country right now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely true. Like, for instance, the fact that uh, like you and I both know Alex Kack. Uh-huh. The fact that Alex Kack blew up as uh, green shirt guy, um, it's it's like people are more acutely aware, and like that's that is kind of the way that I mean the very fact that Alex Kack is a comedian who also go, like he's a local comedian who also goes to public forums. I mean, <laughs> that's that's pretty wild in and of itself, right? Um, right. But I don't think it's a bad thing if if a comedian decides to use that their platform to make a statement. And no, I did see I, I, I did see Nanette, and I I was kind of thrown off how it got so serious at the end. Yeah, because, which is which is fine, right? Because but because when that happened, it also made me think of just in general talking to someone when someone's you know always putting themselves down for a certain thing they don't like about themselves, like oh I hate my nose, right. I hate my my earlobes or something like that. And Mm -hmm. how something like that or people making jokes about themselves in that sense could be based in something that's actually like dark and sad. Yeah. Yeah. uh, How do you, how does that person deal with it? And how do I, as a person support them and their process? That's an interesting, uh, yeah, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, I kind of, I like see the value in both. And that's kind of what I want to maintain is this this ability to have dichotomy and this ability to have uh, complex duality. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I want to be able to have somebody who is having like a really well thought, thought out, you know, sure, maybe I wouldn't call it a comedy special, but like someone who's having a well thought out just like one person show or like a, a, a storytelling kind of thing, which which was kind of the, the angle that I saw that taking. Mm-hmm. Um but then I also want to be able to have somebody who can just, you know, if they have their market for it, can get on stage and uh, say ludicrous things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like I don't know if you know who Jim Norton is. I know who Jim Norton is. Yeah. Um, incredibly offensive, but uh, and and also like really dirty and you know whatever. I love his shit, uh-huh. and, and I love. 
So it's like I, I need to kind of – I want to maintain that duality. And it's only when people, crazy people, start taking this stuff too seriously, that's where we kind of run into lines like on both ends. You know what I mean? On the one hand, uh, who knows who's influencing all these people who are, uh, you know, school shootings and all kinds of shit like that. It's like they're – I don't know what the fuck that's about. And then on the other hand – um, then you also have uh, protesters hitting people over the head with bike locks. It's like uh, we we need to be able to have like these these like intermediate uh, uh, sources. Just like because as as you're saying to your point, um, if if the Colbert Report and uh, and uh, the Daily Show are kind of like actually sources of news or, or like actually sources of people to get informed. It's like as these things then become more serious, like uh, Hannah Gatsby, then it's like, okay, well, then we ha- all have to be able to come to the table and have a conversation instead of you guys being psychopaths. Like, Right. But, of course, that's, that's to your uh, – again, your point. These aren't actually the artists who are causing these problems. It's all these like extraneous other people. Right, that don't know how to have a conversation themselves because they're, they're, you're, they're, these people are talking about stuff that a lot of people probably have not had an experience with. Yeah, that's a fair point. And it's it's hard getting someone to get on your side of the story if right off the gate you're just loud and offensive. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of have to warm everybody up and bring everybody on board and win people over mm-hmm. and then hit them with a boat, <laughs> a boat of baggage. A boat of baggage. But yeah, anyways, that's that was kinda of, I just thought that was interesting that like Rotten Tomatoes critic score was so terrible and the audience score was so high. Like I never had thought that there would be something that would be so clearly divisive. But oh, I'm, not, I'm saying, not surprised at all. R- really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I guess uh so so you're saying it's been a thing for a while that critics opinion is just not representative of public opinion no has that always been a thing it's always been a thing it's always been a thing oh okay maybe i just never noticed because i didn't look too hard or anything like that but uh i yeah i I had no idea i mean if you talk if you know how everyone's having this uh conversation about trying to be more diverse and representation and movies and stuff Mm -hmm. you look at the critics i think the critics also need to be diversified and is More that because, voices I mean, need to be added to the mix. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know how. Like, who gets selected to be a critic, and how is it just because that's been kind of going on for so long that it's still people from you know previous generations, and they never really mixed up the. Oh yeah. The rotation. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure it's once you get the movie critic gig, you don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. Especially if you're working for a bigger magazine, because then you're interviewing movie stars and. Asking oh, dumb yeah. questions in those press junkets that they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so... But even yeah. on, on um, YouTube, it's like it's hard to find a film critic or a movie reviewer that's of color. It's very rare out there. Yeah, that's true. I only... The, the movie reviewers that I subscribe to are like half. Like there's... It's uh, two black guys and two white guys. Uh-huh. But then even to that point... Four guys, right? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a fair assessment. I don't really know of that many. Um, I don't really know of yeah. I don't really know of that many uh, <laughs> ethnic <laughs> critics. I guess you could say. Right, but then at the end of the day, is it really a big deal to know ethnic critics? But a lot of people base their opinion on to see a movie or not based on what critics write, and I yeah, think that's no. crazy. Or people yeah. only watch the five minute cinema sins. Okay, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just because in general, I don't. Uh, I would say I don't watch that many movies, but that's not true. But uh, but like last year uh, or the last couple of years, uh, a lot of critics were like, "Oh, Marvel's going to lose it because they have a female-led action movie." Like, no one's going to go see it. You mean Captain Marvel? Yeah, and they were talking. Didn't a shit ton of people see that? Yep, a lot of people <laughs> saw it, and. Uh, because then Brie Larson was making a big hoopla on the press tour. She's like, why are all of these uh, reporters like old white guys? Yeah. Like, can't we get some females in here? It's like, come on. Okay. So it's a, it's a publicly known thing then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just remained ignorant to it. <laughs> well, no, hopefully more people know about it. Yeah. And at least right. think about it before putting all their faith in one person's opinion. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. 
All right. So, well, uh, like Elephant Scout's mission to uh, bring more kind of diversity into creative filmmaking and storytelling. Yep. We also need a little bit more diversity in uh, uh, review and and, uh, critique of that creative storytelling. I think in journalism in general. Yeah, that actually also is probably true. But, uh, but you know, baby steps, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe start with movies and we can try and get everything else going. Uh, so what's new with you? Uh, let's see. I did a networking last week. Ooh. I went to a film committee meeting for the town of Mariana, which, okay. which is a little <laughs> town just north of Tucson. There's was there a lot of networking to do there? That's a pretty small and select uh, group. There it, there wasn't a lot of networking, but um, I want to make this Dirty Harriet movie. And uh-huh. talking to our uh, stunt coordinator, we we decided that it would most likely be easier to film in Marana because they're just hungry for projects, and we would just basically have whatever the heck we wanted. That's cool. So we want to light somebody on fire in front of a building. We want to do a gunfight in front of a building outside during the day. (sighs) It's uh, an easier area to get permission to get that to happen. As opposed Uh, to Tucson, where it's a bunch of old farts on the city council that doesn't want anything to change. They want to keep Tucson back in the the 60s. Exactly the way it is. Exactly the way it is. So uh, I, I figured it'd be a good idea to meet the film office lady in charge uh her name's laura mm-hmm. she was 45 minutes late to the meeting <laughs> that's uh that's bold that's a whole nother meeting for me <laughs> and apparently she was on a phone call that she just could not get off of mm, okay. and so i didn't get a chance to really talk to her but another kid sitting next to me was talking to her and she was just listing off all this stuff she could do for this kid and she's like, yeah, well, anything you need, we'll get it done. Just send me an email. And that's basically all the information I wanted to get out of the meeting. It was like, oh, hey, I'm Chris. I make movies. Oh, I'm the film office lady in Marana. And she says, I get stuff done. If you send me an email, that's all I need to know. That sounds uh, remarkably simple. And there was this other girl there. Her name's Erin, I think. Yes. And she, I met her at film school back in like 2006. And... She did not remember me. And so I just played along with that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we don't know each other. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that was cool. I think I might join a chamber of commerce. What does that entail? Uh, you pay a fee to be in this club of businesses. Mm-hmm. And you get discounts at all the businesses. That's it. And you like support each other. Be like, oh, I know a guy. I'm in the chamber. I know this guy that makes movies. I know this guy that has race car rentals. I always assumed, why did I assume that like the chamber, of, and this just shows my ignorance, I guess, but why did I assume the chamber of commerce or like whatever that like reflected something like it was like holding office? I have no idea. <laughs> so you're telling me it's basically like an internal network of people that you know that can basically save you money on stuff exactly pass that you pass business along to essentially because you make those connections right and they have these things like uh, lunch and learn where once a month it's like a 40 dollar lunch and they have someone come in and speak for an hour about economic growth in southern arizona Whoa, whoa, whoa. $40 lunch. I know. I'm not spending $40 on a lunch. There was a breakfast before the film committee meeting at 6.45 in the morning, and it was like a $30 breakfast. And I'm like, <laughs> nope. I, yeah, no, no, not going to that. I'd have to drink like 12 cups of coffee just to yeah. semi-break even with that right there. Yeah, I'd so then to, you, you leave wait, your wait. meeting and you're just buzzing. <laughs> exactly, and I'd have to eat way too many Egg McMuffins to get to 30 bucks in my head. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. Well, so you might be uh, joining Chamber of Commerce, and it sounds like you've got an inn in Marana. Uh, another thing I've, I learned at this meeting was the helicopter company I want to contact because I want a helicopter crash in this movie. Uh, the helicopter company that I was thinking about reaching out to is in the Marana Chamber of Commerce. So we'd right. be, that's a conversation starter right there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so you're telling me that this movie is going to have a shootout. Several it's going to have shootouts. someone on fire 
Yes. And it's going to have a helicopter crash. Yes. This sounds like an action-packed thrill ride. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully. Ah. That's very bold. And so... That was that was I did two networking things this week. That was one of them. That was the most. Uh, that was the earliest one I did because it was uh-huh. in the morning. And then I did this other one where the remember the mummy movie and there was yep. like uh, there were some special effects in it, nothing too crazy. But there was like a text messaging on the screen, and there was like a sparkle in the background when they find the tomb. Oh yeah, like the visual uh, effects and and uh, I mean, didn't the like you blow that tunnel out with like a lot of dust and stuff like that that was real that was a real that was practical but like the little flash before it was uh digital Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so uh that kid that helped me with the after effects stuff in that he was like hey i got this uh part-time gig if you want to do it and it's just basically what i do for the life coaches i do now which is edit a video with powerpoint slides Mm -hmm. it's super easy i do it all the time Oh, like create a side-by-side where they're talking and then PowerPoint or like PowerPoint and then uh, you just kind of... Uh, with the life the coaches, with the life coaches, I just... Uh, it goes video or PowerPoint. It's never both. But on this one, they want to Got do it. side-by-side. Got it. Okay. Which is cool. Um, but he did this... He worked on this project, I think, six years ago where there's this group of angel investors here in Southern Arizona invested in this film project mm-hmm. and he was the director of photography on it. And I was like, Oh, that's great. This guy wants me to come work for him. And now I can get some info on this other project that he worked on years ago. Yeah. And I can see what happened and why the desert angels aren't investing in films anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can see what I can, I can find out what went down and get some Intel. And apparently they, Instruct the guy who directed it was a adjunct instructor at the U of A, mm-hmm. and he hired all the U of A students to be his crew. And then during the process, I guess he it sounded like he had some sort of meltdown, and the movie's still not done yet. And how long ago was this? Like six years ago. Oh my god! And <laughs> he was uh, and uh, the kid uh, that wants me to work with him. He was like, "Yeah, I tried asking for footage for my reel," and the director came back at him with uh, claiming that he was entitled and he doesn't deserve to have this footage. Oh boy. And then he was, he was uh, crazy for even asking for it. Is this guy uh, still an adjunct professor? I don't a... think so. I think he moved to California. Wait. I... So why is why is this still a relevant detail? Then? Because, it's like, because this project is over <laughs> because I want to go to desert angels and be like, Hey, I want to make a movie. Oh, I see. So because the precedent was set that basically their money got flushed down the toilet by this like guy who lost his shit. Right. Now they don't want to invest in anything. Right. Uh, I think that'd be different, though, if you showed them like your business plan and your, your previous work. So it's like obviously you know how to complete stuff and you've done so with like less of a budget, more of a time constraint, uh, yada, yada, yada. It's like you've never been more organized and efficient than you are now. True. But it also made me realize things I could highlight in a presentation that would uh, not trigger. <laughs> but I think trigger is the word trigger concerns from the investors. Like what? Like, uh, these are the last four projects I've worked on. They are finished and online. You can see them if you wanted to. Oh, I see. Yeah. You can say, you can say, uh, downshift now on Amazon prime, right? This is my, uh, budget. This is the budget I want to have that. This is where I can spend it. I'm going to put it all on the screen, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was, it was, uh, it was, it was, I thought it was good. Like inside info. Yeah. You know, like you want to do like pre-meeting sometimes to like feel things out. Yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. back when uh, I was talking to Matt about, and he would like stalk people on LinkedIn. Yep. Which is uh, a big part of my day these days. Uh, and I always thought it was creepy, but I guess it's not creepy. I guess I'm being even creepier because I'm talking to people in real life. <laughs> no, I think, I think uh, since, since that episode, I've learned a lot about uh, how much do you know about, you know, what's called a, either a business development representative or a sales development representative. Uh, Business is about operations. Sales is about money. So let's say nothing. Let's just go ahead and say nothing. Ouch. (laughs) Um, So essentially what I realized now, what your, uh, 
what your friend was talking about is what's called BD, business development. And what you do essentially is LinkedIn has kind of made it an easy tool to use, but like there used to be other ways you would, you would kind of look through analytics or like you would, you would have some reporting software or something. Uh And you kind of get this look, this like glance at here are all the people or all the companies or whatever that are vaguely interested or could use your product or could use your thing or your service or whatever, whatever, whatever. So then you go on their LinkedIn and you research everything about them or the company or the company they work for or yada, 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 whatever it is that would concern you. And then that's when you have – so this is why that's sort of like a creepy thing, but it's also just an established business practice now Uh that – because in this weird sort of turn – in I think the early 2000s is when all those call centers really started cropping up. Um, uh, and then by mid to late 2000s, uh, they were they were like massive centers where people like the whole idea was just churn and burn. Right. Uh-huh. You're you're like you have to be on the phone for the, this much amount of time and then you're on to the next call and you're on to the next call and you're on to the next call. That sort of thing. Uh, so because of that, as a result, everyone got so sick of just these impersonable calls where people are either reading off a script or eventually once that became automated now you're just listening to something uh like a recording Uh so business development is essentially where you're doing that sort of a role what's called prospecting um but you research you do all this background research just to learn stuff about the person so like for instance if i was to call uh elephant scout Right, the Elephant Scout business, which is uh, the headquarter number, is your phone number, <laughs> um, and and you know, let's say I'm trying to pitch you on, uh, I don't know, some uh, some new software, right? For for uh, that, oh, like I see you're a filmmaker, blah blah blah, whatever. You know, I would research all the stuff that's on your LinkedIn or maybe on your Facebook or on your business page or maybe even your Instagram. And be like, oh yeah, I, I saw that uh, that shoot you did with the other people, or I saw that you just posted. Uh, you know, uh, uh, downshift on Amazon. How do you feel about their, this software? How do you feel about this? Like you do that so that you have a conversation to have with them just so that you're so distinctly different from, uh, from like call center churn and burn, you know, whatever that yeah, people from the robots that'll... of the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of a response to, uh, but that's sort of the thing that, that people are looking at your stuff whether it's, you know, just your personal Facebook or whatever, or it's your Instagram or it's your, um, uh, you know, what have you, your LinkedIn. It's like people are mining that for data to be able to sell you stuff or to be able to advertise to you or like all kinds of stuff. Right. I guess it's like when your phone listens to you and pops up ads on your Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then what ends up happening is if you, it, like what really then turns you into what's called a lead is where you start talking about something uh peloton peloton is wildly successful i have no idea why but those those like stationary bikes do you know what i'm talking about uh sure (laughs) are those those stationary bikes with the uh like the ipad on the yeah yeah it's got that video in the front yeah you and you watch something and you bike really hard or something the the commercials seem to be all targeted towards people who can afford really nice um apartments no matter where it is like it looks like it's in either the city or like they're at a house somewhere or whatever but it's they're always have that in a really big room that's at a window that's facing the outdoors so it's almost like they are almost in the outdoors but not quite i don't don't know it's but all of their commercials are like that I, i don't really know what that's about but anyways so Peloton, you'll be talking into your phone or you'll be, you know, something you or, you know, maybe you Google search or whatever. And now on all your social media and everywhere there's ads, you're going to get ads for Peloton because it's in your search history or you were talking about it or I don't know, something like that. Uh-huh. And then if you actually like it says, oh, you can save two ninety nine by taking this quick, you know, whatever. So you click on that. Now you're what's called a click through conversion. So and they you, track all your clicks. Exactly. So somebody somebody in the marketing department is like, okay, 
how many how many people clicked through this link how many people whatever and then you are going to be fed into what's like you're as a lead for someone to contact you uh, probably through messaging or something because they, I don't think they give away your phone number per se unless you put it on in like one of those web forms that it's like, oh, to save $200 off your Peloton, put in your email address and your phone number or whatever. Now you've consented to giving them your phone number. It's like they can call you if they want to. Uh-huh. So so that's essentially what that what that process is. People are doing way more as more information is accessible, uh people are doing way 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 more background research before making contact and then kind of prospecting you for a lead. Yeah, that's what I'm I find myself doing that with this pitch idea. Mm-hmm. Next thing I got to do is pitch uh, or figure out who's on the board I'm pitching to. Yeah. And then researching them. Yeah, kind of targeting it, maybe what their priorities are, maybe uh, what the last like three to four news stories that they've liked or shared or something like that, because that way you can pin down kind of where their priorities are at. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, after talking with the editing kid, uh, I met with my friend Francisco, who's a fellow filmmaker here in Tucson. Okay. And I've worked with him. He was, did some audio on these uh, last couple shorts that we worked on. Mm-hmm. He's really uh, enthusiastic and uh, gung-ho about working on film projects. That's he, great. It's he, good to have an optimist. He made a uh, feature around the same time I made the mummy feature. Uh-huh. But the thing that was different for him was he was going through a divorce when he oh. finished wrapping his movie. And so he's like had to go through this divorce and then he had to move and then he lost a hard drive to something to damage of some sort. And so good he's Lord. just been like sitting on this movie for the last five years. Mm-hmm. But now he's uh, like he helped us on downshift, and he helped uh, he worked on it. And now he was he was like inspired to get back into the filmmaking world. So that's he's, awesome. Uh, almost done with his edit of his feature film that he made years ago. Sweet. And so I was talking with him, and I kind of uh, asked him to join Elephant Scout. Awesome. The original pitch was just supposed to be a producer for Dirty Harriet. Uh-huh. But it kind of grew into this crazy idea that I, I was having while sitting. We met at Casa Film Bar. <laughs> uh, sitting while Osmosis Jones was on in the background. Oh. And we were drinking some weird beers from Tombstone or something. The Yeah. Sounds about right. So uh, it turned into, instead of him just being a producer on this movie, it was asking him to join Elephant Scout. That's great. Like, officially join the film company Mm -hmm. and and where does he fit in with your business plan? Well, that's the thing. It's just like an idea of like, he's a part of this business. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What is that doing? Right. Right. And I was thinking about everyone else I've worked with in the elephant scout lifespan, extended universe and all the people I've worked with and what's worked, what hasn't worked, what's not working anymore what do we do to make this better moving forward? Right. So I think I just need to sit down and figure out my dream team. Yeah. Well, well, I, I think it's also important to um, like manage expectations right from the outset. You know what I mean? Uh, because it'll be important that uh, your vision for what his contribution is or what role kind of he takes on and what that maybe develops into has to be synchronized with his vision for that those same kind of questions to answer because ultimately if you're not working towards the same thing that'll become transparent pretty pretty quickly right that was uh the first uh i think hour of our conversation was explaining basically the elephant scout mission statement yeah and how I want to have diverse representation and be inclusive and tell uh, these types of stories mm-hmm. in a, in a uh, you know minorities in a positive light type of story. Yeah, yeah. And um, his concern was, oh, we're going to go talk to these angel investors here in Arizona. They're going to want to talk about the border. They're going to want to talk about cultural things, cultural mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to make an argument to where. I don't want to do anything that's culturally forward, but just diverse subtly. So it's uh, how, 
like so you essentially don't want to do a project that'll be like uh, uh oh the, this is like we're re- moving the needle like this has a message that's overtly xyz it's like you're kind of more taking the approach of uh and there's there's actually been a few movies that i think i've noticed that where it's like the social the social issue or the the cultural issue isn't even a thing necessarily right it, like like it's not it's not a plot element it's just this is how the movie is made right like um like i didn't really think about it in uh in uh uh what movie was that recently but like uh when we made by all the wolf yeah and you were at the 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 protagonist yeah it's like we didn't make it a bollywood movie just because you were the star of the movie right Do you know yeah. what i'm saying we you're just the good guy yeah that was actually what my uh my dad was <laughs> i forgot all about this my dad was actually really pissed about slumdog millionaire because uh he liked the movie like that was sort of the thing it was this major release and uh it kind of showed this like you know, rural upbringing in in the rural side of India, but then also how over the course of, uh, you know, I don't know how, however age to age it was supposed to be, like over the course of 15 years or 20 years or whatever, how kind of India had become this place with skyscrapers and like all this kind of stuff. And, but then of course there's a dark side with, uh, with crime and like with poverty and yada, yada. So my dad really liked the movie, but then at the end they kind of sandwiched on, like they tacked on this Bollywood dance scene like it was it was just appended to it you uh-huh. know what i mean it, it it totally felt not important to the way that they told the story at all and so he was pissed because it was like great like we just had this good movie that would have just been like oh look it's it's just indian people in a, in a movie that is getting a wide release and is kind of becoming a cultural phenomenon in the states but now we're going to kind of like oh great let's tack on a fucking dance routine onto yeah. it yeah to make it so that it's like oh like it's it's what people expected it to be uh-huh you know what i mean so i i i kind of understand what you're saying because that's exactly what what <laughs> pissed my dad off about slum dog <laughs> and i'm not saying I'm, I'm against culture i think culture is awesome and amazing right I, I feel like if it's if it's necessary to drive the story forward then include it mm-hmm. but if i'm trying to tell a story about a cop locked in a building who's at the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. I'm not going to squeeze in culture into that movie. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like you don't want to be unnecessarily heavy handed because unless it contributes something to the story. So it's like, you're primarily a storyteller, but then your mission is kind of backing it that it's like, yeah, we do want to normalize this. Like, mm-hmm. why don't we normalize this? Why don't we see a higher proportion of, like, protagonists that are people of color or, you know, uh, um, more more availability for, you know, uh, females? Like, like, that sort of thing. It's kind of more normalizing it as opposed to when you're driving a story that uh, is all about that, that, that like, has kind of this uh, just immediate push one way or the other then it becomes more about that than it does the story like one overrides the other right i think a good example that i think uses culture really well in telling their story was uh coco oh yeah yeah yeah. it's like that's all it was it's just all tradition-based storytelling but they put a really great story in there though Mm-hmm. They they like line up that framework of Dia de los Muertos and all that kind of stuff, and and that kind of drives that like like it 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 drives the story forward. It's yeah, I, I thought that was really well done. So uh, and uh, the music was awesome. Music was fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So once I got Francisco on board with that idea that it's not about uh, shoving culture down people's throats, it's about mm-hmm. uh, just having more representation on the screen. So subconsciously we are not uh immediately going to one side or the other of an issue right yeah it's 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 like you can kind of realign people's perspective that way uh-huh the because there's a lot of there's a couple productions in town i turned down working on one of them because it's that same old story of oh, a small town sheriff fighting the drug cartel mm. and it's like that's that's i don't think that's a real thing here in southern arizona it's like all made up stuff that everyone hears on the news and they just yeah. come to Arizona to make a point or tell a story they feel needs to be told. 
Yeah, that was like when uh, Sicario came out. And you know how they have, in the first movie, they have that opening scene that's like in Chandler or something uh-huh. like that? Uh-huh. And then, like, that became, a th- like, a constant thing. Like, people were just all the time talking about, like, oh, yeah, there's such a cartel presence or there's such a, you know. And there is, I'm sure. Well, they run the avocados. Huh? A cartel are, are in charge of all the avocados in Mexico. Really? If you buy an avocado that says uh, product of Mexico, the cartel has had their hands on it. No shit. Yeah. So we should uh, boycott guacamole. Yeah, like we're going to do that. Yeah, good luck doing that. Although I don't know where, uh, I mean, Chipotle probably gets all their avocados from California. So I don't know. Who knows? They probably get them from India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's that's really exciting news, man. But uh, I had something and I lost it. It was about, uh, well, I don't know. The, do you want me to just start repeating things that we were just saying? No, I think it was to, to build upon the um, something that you were going to say. Oh, because uh, going back to uh, diverse representations, like I don't want to mm. do cliche, like all Mexicans are drug cartel yeah, members. Yeah, yeah. All Scottish people wear kilts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, silly stuff like that. Though That's a small point I was trying to make. No, yeah, I mean that's well. Not only is that kind of cheap and trite, but I don't think it's also representative of uh, you know the evolution that's gone on in the world. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I think that as the the Internet of Things has definitely sped up the process, where as we're able to communicate on a uh, global scale, uh, almost effortless, effortlessly now, uh, I think it's really shrunk that kind of uh, like there there isn't that it's more homogenized than ever you know what i mean Uh like not necessarily culturally but like there isn't going to be as much of a disparity between like 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 you said uh you know it's an irishman who drinks a lot and fights you know it's like well no (laughs) yeah there's there's no need there's no need to farm out these these kind of hackneyed stereotypes anymore when we're more of a global culture than ever exactly yeah. Uh well cool. You've got a you've got a guy on the team and uh he seems to always be or from what you say, he's uh always excited and ready to do stuff, which is good to have someone on a if you're going to have a team, I in general like to uh work with people who are what I call default aggressive, meaning they bias towards action as opposed as opposed to people who bias towards someone telling them what to do. Yeah. So he's definitely default action. What is it? What did you call it? Default aggressive. De- default aggressive. Yeah, yeah. I, I there. Th- th- so this is kind of kind of like um, this other conversation I was just having with someone, where it's like, you know, I do think it's important for everyone to educate themselves as much as they can, and I do think it's important for everyone to find, uh, you know purpose or meaning or some clarity or something like that in in their work or whatever they do but at the same time we do need gas station attendants you know and i we do need somebody who works at starbucks and we do need somebody who you know all this kind of stuff right so um why was i saying this you just because you want to judge people right now no 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 no. it was the opposite of judging i'm kidding damn it kidding i'm kidding (laughs) um but I do think it's funny that we've kind of in society, uh, we have this old, old, the older generation seems to look down upon people that to choose to be a, a server for a career. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's all, and oh, they don't deserve to make a fair living wage. That's, that's not a, that's not a job worthy of that pay. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's they're, that's, they're, that's fine. That's their career choice. That's what they want to do. Let them do their thing. Yeah. Well, well, that was kind of I read this article to that effect where it's like somehow in America, we've become obsessed with, quote unquote, working hard. Like in this uh, in this age more than any other. So meaning in the past 50 years, people have uh, in general, like averaged working more hours uh, than ever before but with far less self-reported satisfaction than ever before. 
So what that tells you is that we all want to work really hard for reasons uh, like on things that we don't care about for reasons that we can't explain. Right. I mean, that's fucking depressing. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, so I guess what I was getting at was that, you know, um, it's like there, there are times when it's important to be quote unquote default aggressive when you have to be able to like make these decisions and always be on top of stuff and kind of be a self-starter. But then it's also important to simultaneously, you have to be able to follow directions and you have to be able to, you know, if someone has a great idea, be able to follow them on that or whatever. So it's all about kind of a balance of those two things. And I think right now, uh, so, so hopefully that's what can, uh, do, do you worry at all with your, growing team that you would uh butt heads on something and that you're both kind of you're both self-starter sort of personas do you see any challenges with kind of that navigating that relationship uh we talked about that we talked about feelings and uh the uh, agreement was that we have no feelings when it comes to talking business stuff Right. And so make it more pragmatic. If we're really passionate about something and we feel like a decision should be made in one way or the other and the other person disagrees, we're going to duke it out. We're going to fight about it. But we're also not going to hate each other at the end of the day. Yeah. Which is. Yeah, that's important. Nice. That someone wants to actually have an opinion to fight for. Yeah. As opposed to being just passive and going, yeah, sure. That's good. Let's just do it. So when you're uh, in your relations with various, uh, maybe employees is not the word, but like various partners with very uh, subordinates with various, you know, whatever, you kind of in general prefer to have people who don't necessarily just defer to your opinion, but you you value other people's input, essentially. Well, it's a well, making a a creative film is a team effort. I mean, there should if someone says they're going to be the art director, Mm -hmm. they better show up and talk about art direction all day long they should be like i don't like the color of this vase in the corner then mm-hmm. it's like they need to have opinions about that right you can't just kind of like state a blanket statement and then just ride that out or just say like oh yeah no it looks good right but i mean that doesn't do anything for you it doesn't do anything for anybody yeah so if someone's just... you having problems with an art director right now is that what's going on yeah well i'm having problems oh. with a person who okay so this is what i uh discovered with past people that i've worked with and i'm still currently Mm -hmm. working with is we were always very concerned about getting the project done right and what was best for the production day okay but never what was best for the story or the end product Mm. and that's the only thing i've i've was ever concerned about but if the whole team was that way then i think a lot of things would be different so more of a uh, so like simultaneously because obviously you need people to execute in the here and now, right? If you're talking about a specific camera guy or something like that, you need him to be able to make the micro decisions in the right now to get that singular shot. But also they need to have this overarching discipline to the project, which is like, does this shot make sense? Is this something that we actually need? Should we be doing it some way different? In terms of the global picture, not just in terms of uh, this one day. Like, uh, it's Tuesday and we're shooting from 9 to 9. And, uh, you know, I, we're, we're kind of like, the shots were all great today. But do they make sense in the global context of the whole project? Right. I mean, I'm, I, that's mostly my job. That should be my job as the director is making sure that it all makes sense in the global uh, aspect of this whole project. But the, uh, the thing I'm trying to talk about is it's... 8.30 on Tuesday. Yeah. We have nine more shots to do. Eight of them are very crucial to the end product, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the team is like, hey, it's 8.30. Uh, what are you going to do? Let's get this. Which ones are you not going to do? Because yeah. we're going to be done by nine, no matter what. Mm-hmm. We're going to make our day. And even in moments like, uh, uh, where do you want to start this scene at? Where, like, where do you want to start? Where do you want the first shot to be? in this scene where you want us to place the camera. Yeah. And it's a scene where it's like, well, I haven't had time to think about this scene because I was busy working on other stuff. Yeah. And uh, the team I'm working with now doesn't believe in pre-production, which is meeting beforehand to discuss the project, to see what's needed or not needed for the day of the shoot. And so 
wait, 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 wait. Yeah. How do you how do you not do? I I feel like that would cause me an immense stress. It's you mean extremely you just show stressful. up on the day of and just like I don't know, <laughs> like let's fuck it, let's let's roll, let's do it. They they show up on the day of the shoot and they are like, what do you want? And then you just say what you want and then they make it happen. So it's it's they're great like in that sense. So in terms of execution, it's good because they're like they're able to be there on time and get shit done. Right. But in terms of giving you creative feedback or maybe saying offering a perspective that maybe you hadn't thought of. Right. Uh. And because we're they're just showing up day of and executing, uh, I'll say something like, I just want a wide shot over here. And they're like, what does that mean? What does a wide shot mean? Like, where do you want it? You have to be more specific. So then I have to go and set up where the wide shot would be and explain. Whereas if we had a meeting beforehand and I could be like, oh, what if we start over here? And everybody could put input as to yeah. where we start. It's like, oh, I think it'd be better to start over here because at this time, this is happening. Like if some, if everyone's going to a, like a location scout, so that's what it's called, with their uh-huh. job in mind, they're going to bring something new to the conversation. Right. And also I kind of feel like that would help you. Wouldn't that ultimately be a time saver on the day of? Because then you have kind of all discussed various viewpoints like you've kind of kicked out the kinks on this because everyone's aware of of what's going to be happening right you know what i mean as opposed to if you just show up the day of chris scott says like okay i want to do this shot and then to your point they say oh how where you know whatever and then maybe they think of issues at that very time but you can knock that out beforehand and then that way you make sure that you're getting uh, not only you know a time favorable uh, expenditure, but also that you're getting the shots that you need and how you want them to look. Right. So, so you don't end up because I feel like that would be the biggest contributor. And I don't know. The, take all of this with a grain of salt because I don't know shit about any of this. But like, I feel like that would be how you run into that situation where it's like, oh yeah, we don't have enough shots in the day for for this anymore. It's like, yeah, you run into that because now we did a whole lot of backtracking and stuff because we had to rethink out how we were going to shoot this. Right. And that happens often. There, yeah, there, are, I, there have been I, I bet. multiple shoots, uh, like downshift in particular. There's a scene at the end where uh, Mateo is like re- explaining the whole. It's the detective explains the crime scene yeah. that are in mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. crime shows, and we had like 20 minutes to shoot it because somebody was late, and everyone's like, uh, "You just got to get this done now because no one's ever going to come back to this location again." And we're like shooting this thing and I'm literally editing in camera shooting it. And it was the craziest thing shooting that whole scene in like 20 minutes. Good Lord. But yeah, uh, that, well, that, that sounds like too much to manage as an individual. But, you know, now if you have actually somebody who's kind of in a more b- bought in partnership role, that seems like they'd be able to take some of the burden off of that. Right. So that's what I'm really excited about and looking forward to. Yeah. I just need to establish a role and clearly define it. Because yeah. I feel like with everyone else, it's kind of like, it's been like this, uh, oh, everybody's everything. Like, there's no real roles. No one's defining it. Yeah. And then yeah, once yeah. Uh, once we started defining roles, people got really upset and butthurt about it. Because mm. that's not what we do here. That's not what we do. But we need to do it to grow and do bigger projects. Yeah. Ultimately, that kind of stuff is is the kind of stuff that leads to less cohesion uh, within within your sort of team fold because if it's not clearly set out, you know, what responsibilities are and things like that, well, then it's not clearly set out what expectations there are. And so now, exactly what you said, everybody's doing everything or the converse, nobody's doing anything. And that's what's happening. Yeah, it's like, it's like both can be true because there's no clearly defined expectations. So there's nothing like, like what do you refer back to? ultimately Uh so kind of with more structure and with organization it's like sure it comes with a little bit more overhead because you have to be now you're like actively managing different parties and like their responsibilities but at the same time that that increases productivity because you have clearly defined you know goals with clearly defined results comes easier yeah so Hmm. so hopefully with this new team member it's going to be less uh study study days by myself and more groups yeah. groups study groups before the yeah, big more. calculus test 
<laughs> uh, mixed metaphor there, but yeah, sure. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think that that'll be that'll be really helpful, and it'll it'll hopefully increase productivity. Is he uh, gonna start working on uh, Dirty Harriet? He like, is as soon as that. Well, Very cool. well, what happened was we kind of decided the pitch to the Desert Angels is going to be a three picture deal, not just a one movie deal. Damn. Because the rumor was these this group of investors wanted to revive film industry in southern Arizona. Okay. Which is something everybody is talking about right now, and I think everybody is going about it wrong. And I think our take is a little better. Mm-hmm. It's more, I think, achievable as opposed okay. to, yeah. Uh, there's this uh, thing going around. I forgot what it's called. Uh, let me find it. This is the only thing the uh, Miranda film lady talked about. There's this uh, Arizona content development initiative that was presented by the Phoenix uh, or the Arizona film commissioner. Mm-hmm. And it's a seven point pro, uh, initiative. And the plan all benefits Phoenix, of course, <laughs> and doesn't include Southern Arizona at all. But their, no. their goal is to provide tax incentives to get Hollywood to come to Arizona to make movies here. Uh, Okay, and I don't think that's going to work because no, that's not that we haven't been able to pass a film a tax incentive uh, bill here in Arizona for years because uh, it's a pretty red up in Phoenix and they're all against they're anti taxes in any yeah. sense so it's probably not going to happen. And the Miranda lady was like, "We gotta do something where we integrate Southern Arizona into this plan and try and get mm-hmm. a one $100 million movie made in Arizona once a year. Wow. And I'm like, that's a pretty cool idea. And then they always go back to, well, we used to do it all the time. We used to have movies here all the time. But at the same time, that was back when Westerns were really popular. Right. Westerns were the superhero movies of today. Yeah. 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 And so at some point, we all need to wake up and realize nobody's watching Westerns anymore. And that's what else does Arizona provide if we're not making a Western? Like what's another, uh, what else do we provide as a state to filmmakers around the world that makes them want to come here to film here? Right. Like what is our niche? What's our, what's our special? Exactly. And you have States like Georgia and Louisiana that offer tax incentives where they pay you basically to come make a movie there. Mm. Uh, we are never going to have that because of how our local government is and our local, uh, the dirty money and the dark web <laughs> supporting campaigns <laughs> against taxes. So it's like, what, what else, how we need to spend it some other way. We can't keep going back to the nineties when, or the sixties when Westerns were a big deal. Right. So, so Chris Scott has some fresh ideas. My idea is to support storytellers in Arizona with smaller uh, features Mm -hmm. uh, with this diverse representation that's not culturally driven and just start small and just start building an audience that way. Yeah. And showcasing uh, the city, the sites, the cactus, the holes in the ground, the rattlesnakes, you know, all the fun stuff that Arizona has that's different and unique than a lot of the world. And putting that forward as opposed to old Western towns that don't look great anymore. Cause no one uses yeah, things, things that have essentially been done to death and don't hold any relevancy. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting, man. Uh, it sounds like you've got some next steps and most importantly, as a callback to, uh, an episode from a long time ago, it's like, these all seem to play on ideas that are, uh, smart goals. Oh my god! Specific, measurable, attainable, <laughs> like all that—that that whole nine yards. Yeah. <laughs> smart goals. What was it? Smart. You just said it. I I blanked for a second. I apologize. No, it's okay. Specific, measurable, attainable. Uh, I forget what R is, but then T is time. R is profit. Relevant. No, it's relevant. <laughs> R is profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, no, I do feel like a lot of stuff we've talked about have led me to this moment where, like, even uh, making a business plan and having like a, a purposeful statement to make to people to pitch to join the company was mm-hmm. really helpful. It wasn't just me pulling stuff out of my butt. I have something 
written down. Yeah, yeah. You have something core like to reference to. Exactly. Yeah. And I just looked at it and I figured out a role I could offer to Francisco that'll just make everything easier. So I don't have to rethink all this crazy stuff. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. Beautiful. Well, uh, I look forward to uh, hearing how that, when's that pitch going down? We have to uh, create the proposal first and then we can see what happens. Gotcha. All right. So time to make some PowerPoints. Time to make some PowerPoints. Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.